that's a growler. Welcome to Beauty and the Beastly Minute, the podcast where we analyze, theorize, and criticize the 1991 film Beauty and the Beast from Walt Disney Studios. We are excited to have you here, and we're going to be talking about Minute 27 today. I am Janae. And I'm Bobby. And we are your hosts for this podcast. Yes, we are. (laughs) (laughs) Minute 27 starts off. With LeFou being swung through the air, singing, and ends with Gaston saying, eating four dozen eggs every morning helped him get something. Dun-dun-dun. (laughs) Dun-dun-dun. Probably something bad from eating that Mm. many eggs. uh, I definitely have a lot to say about those eggs when we get to tomorrow's minute. (laughs) Oh, snap. Uh, Okay, so first of all, love Richard White. Richard White is our fabulous voice actor for Gaston. And I just wanted to mention that if you have seen a picture, I'll have to post a picture of him on our listening group and on our page. But um, it says in the song that Gaston has a swell cleft in his chin. And if you look closely, Richard White has a bit of a swell cleft in his chin too. So is it a swell cleft or is it just a cleft? Um, I'm pretty sure it's swell. Okay. I always thought he meant like, he has a swell cleft, like it's a really good cleft. Oh, wait, isn't that what I, what are you talking about? That's what I meant. <laughs> well, I, I thought you were saying like swell cleft, like the type of cleft is a swell cleft. No, it's swell. It's great. It's dandy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about chin clefts, so. Uh... Uh, do you have a cleft in your chin? No. If I, I did, have... I'd probably know something about them. <laughs> I have a slight cleft in my chin. Hmm. hmm. Anyway, I don't understand anyway. exactly what, why you have one or don't. I think it's just but... one of those uh, genetic things that pops up for no reason. Oh, okay. Thanks. My chin shape is there for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> I see how it is. <laughs> well, it doesn't do anything, is what just I'm saying. Just kidding. Anyway. Yeah. So uh, Gaston finally gets on board and starts feeling better about himself in this minute. And so he starts joining in on the singing He's uh, got to hit LeFou a few times in the face, and people have started to talk about how great he is. So he finally starts to feel a little better about himself. I'm pretty impressed that he goes from being really annoyed when LeFou is like tickling his chin to instantly distinguished mode and like singing about how great he is. He snaps really fast, from what I I can tell. I didn't even think about that. But I guess he just couldn't argue with LeFou. LeFou is just so right. You can't argue with that logic and thought process, so might as well join. Yeah, yeah. He he came to that moment and he said, okay, well, I'm annoyed at him. He's being really annoying, but I am amazing. Who wouldn't want to sing about me? I want to sing about me. (laughs) I want to sing about me. That's so funny. Yep. And who can blame him? If you had a swell cleft in your chin, you would want to sing about you too. (laughs) Okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I told you I'm in a mood. Okay. So I think it's interesting also that they're all singing about him. Actually, everybody in this whole tavern is pretty excited and happy. They all have beer steins that are full 
and foaming, and they're all singing, and they're like, five hurrahs and twelve hip hips, and Gaston literally just looks bored. Yeah. I can't get a read on this guy. On Gaston? Yeah, he's just so confusing. Well, I mean, he sees himself as so far above everybody else that, you know, he is kind of bored with them. He's like, ah, I'm the best thing here. Like, <laughs> everyone else is just like following me around. So it takes a lot to get him up to the point where he's excited about something. And the only thing he's really excited about is stuff that he wants or himself. Mm. So once they start talking about him and it's all about him, then he's like, hey, there's finally something to get excited about. But they're literally cheering him right there. But he still looks bored. That just doesn't well, make so much sense to me. But I mean, I guess you probably have a very good point. So I'm not arguing can't, with you. He can't let saying. it show that it strokes his ego so much. <laughs> have to show a little humility or something like it. Yeah. So is that what these things are called? Beer steins? So far as or I know, mugs, yes. Or... I, I did some research into this and uh, I don't remember exactly why. I think I was looking into the time period and like different drinks and I don't know anything about alcohol and beer and ale. And <laughs> We decided last episode that they were drinking ale, but I looked into to some of that. And? And, well, I, I, there's no there's no good flow into this. I have a bomb to drop on this episode. Okay. This is going to be intense. Oh, no. I know who the beast is. What? That's right. I have uncovered the identity of the beast. Wait, 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 wait. Pause, rewind. We go from talking about beer steins and ale to I know who the beast is. Yes. <sighs> Seriously? Okay. How does that even work? So here's what happens. Everybody in here is sloshing around their stuff. And I was like, I don't know what those things are called. Let me look it up. And I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, those are like beer steins. I think usually had lids on them and beer mugs. And I started looking at beer and then I was like, hey, I wonder what they're drinking. And so I looked up uh, some stuff about different drinks. Then I noticed and came across this article that talked about how in, in 1781 is when Vinters first started using corks as common stoppers which made wine bottling aging possible. And so we see bottled wine with corks in them in this scene. And then we also saw them in the wedding scene. Hmm. And so I was like, wait a second. So that means that this has to be sometime after 1781. So previously we were thinking it was like the late 1760s to early 1770s. This puts us at at least 1781, probably 1782 or three. We know we can't be as far as 1789 because that is the beginning of the French Revolution. So uh -huh. that means that we are a lot closer to the French Revolution than we originally thought. Uh -huh. We're only a few years away from the revolution busting out. So then I was like, wait, we have a, a definite time period, a very short window of time that this could have happened during, which means that this is during the reign of King Louis XVI. And I was like, well, were there like other like lower level princes in France at that time? I didn't think so. So <laughs> I did a lot of researching. Prince. Yeah, like, you know, like regional princes or something. Someone you would call a prince, but wasn't like the prince of the entire land. Oh. Because we don't get the feeling that Beast is like king of all of France. Right, right. It's like, okay, he's a prince, but maybe he's like a, a lower prince or something or a regional prince. Okay. And they never actually call him a king. We just kind of assumed that he was a king because... There's no parents There's no around. parents, right. So this kind of ties in with uh, one of our listeners, Johnny, commented on our, our page. Shout out to Johnny. But he said, well, maybe the prince's parents just sent him away because he was really annoying. Mm -hmm. So they're still alive, but they sent him like, hey, go to this castle over here and you'll have Cogsworth and Lumiere to watch over you, but we don't want you around. That's sad. So that got me thinking. Um, and then looking at the timeline, I found out that, here we go, 
Drum roll, the moment of reveal. <laughs> the Beast slash Adam is the son of Louis, the Dauphin of France, and Maria Josepha of Saxony. The Beast is the brother of Louis XVI, Louis XVII, and Charles X, who were all kings of France. What? Yes. Wait, so what actually happened to him? Okay, so here is the breakdown and my story. So his father was the king, Louis the Witch. Who was his father? His father was Louis the Dauphin of France, which what just means that, mean? that you are going to be, it means dolphin, the dolphin of France, but that's what they use to, to kind of say, Hey, this is the king in waiting kind of, you are the prince that is going to become the king when the next king dies. Oh, so his grandfather was technically the king. Yes. So okay. his grandfather is Louis 15. So what happened is we have Louis the Dauphin of France, who is a beast father. He was born the heir to the French throne in 1729. It said he was very well prepared for his rise to the throne, but he fell out. He had a falling out with his father. And so Louis XV, his father, didn't let him really have any role in French politics. Wait and a second. So so the beast's father. I thought you said that there's a lot the of beast. Louis. I thought you said the beast was cousin to Louis the sixteenth, the seventeenth, and Charles the tenth. No, he is their brother. I mean, brother. Sorry. So yes. wouldn't Louis the fifteenth be his father and Louis the fourteenth be his grandfather? They did the Louis as a title. So you have a name and then you become king and you take a kingly name. What? So. <laughs> Like Louis the Sixteenth, that wasn't his name. When he became king, he became Louis the Sixteenth. That's how they do that oh, stuff. So weird. Like that makes sense because I was show, watching The Crown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when she became queen, they were like, "What name are you going to use?" She's like, "What do you mean? What name am I going to use?" Ah, yeah. weird. So she she chose her own name, right. whereas typically you choose. I guess you get rechristened as the king because you are divinely appointed i don't know so anyway huh. so yeah louis the 15th was his grandfather louis who would have been the 16th but louis the dauphin of france was his oh. father and then his brother was louis 16 who became the king after louis 15 oh my gosh so it passed weird. from grandfather to louis 16 okay i am following now okay so the beast's father the dauphin of france was the one we were talking about he's the one that had a disagreement with his father louis 15 and so beast's father was not allowed to i'm just gonna call him beast father from now on because it's getting confusing with too many louis okay <laughs> so the beast father was only allowed like a very minor role in french politics and so unlike most of like the nobility in the bourbon in this time period like he was very well educated he was studious he was cultivated he loved music he liked hunting and balls and spectacles but he also had a strong sense of morality and he was very committed to his wives and very much in love with them he had one how who, many did he have he had one when i think they got married when he was like 16 whoa or no she died when he was 16 so they got what? married young because of oh my you know, politics and stuff and she died when he was 16 and it was really really hard on him and then he had to get remarried because Aww. that's what you do Right. But he got remarried to uh, Maria Josefa, and she was actually super awesome. And I believe she was 16 at the time, 15 or 16 at the time that they got married. How old was uh, he when they got married? Um, I didn't do the calculation on that. Oh, okay. But That's right. I think he was still pretty young. Okay. I think he, he was probably like 17, 18. Man, so they didn't give him creepy. much time. No, no, he didn't have a lot of time. So like, that was one of okay, the things. Okay, dude, on to the next. Really? Yeah, they were like, you have to, you have to provide an heir. Oh my gosh! So, <sighs> Beast's mom 
Maria Josefa, she was actually like super cool with it and she helped him with his grieving process. And they actually had a very, very loving relationship that developed over time. And the thing that kept popping up was that like bit by bit, they formed a relationship and began to love each other. And so I thought that was really cool because that's kind of like Belle and the Beast. Like it wasn't immediate. They was over time, they developed this relationship. So what does that that tell us about real love? Hmm. You Hmm. have to work at it. It takes time to develop. (laughs) What a thought. So Beast's father died at the age of 36 in 1765, when Beast would have been three years old. Wait, how old was he when he died? Uh, Beast's father was 36. Okay, 36. Sorry, I promise I'm listening. (laughs) This is the Dupont of France who died in 1765. And then Beast's mother, Maria Josefa of Saxony, uh, let me see, it says on the death of her husband in 1765... It was a devastating blow, and she never recovered, and she sunk into depression, which lasted till she died 15 months later from tuberculosis. Man. So she was 36 when she died. And so Beast was about four and a half, probably, when both of his parents were dead. Very sad. So the reason that I found Beast, though, is because they had many children. Well, several of them died, but one of them... Okay, it said they have a stillborn son who was born in 1762. And my theory, I mean, I kind of feel a little bad about this one because this is actual people we're talking about. So I'm going to say it's a theory, (laughs) but this is just trying to fit it into history. And obviously, a stillborn child is a very sad thing. And I don't want to make light of that. But to fit it into my theory and how this could have actually happened is that this stillborn son wasn't actually stillborn. He was born alive. And then because Beast's father was kind of set outside of the the courts of France, he wasn't really part of the politics, he wanted to keep one of his sons out of that life and just raise him in this, you know, kind of culture of of learning and literature and music and having a sense of morality. And so he secreted away that son saying that he was stillborn and put him in his own little castle to live. And he kind of had to live on his own with these guardians. Hmm. And then when both his parents were dead by the time he was four and a half, that's why he didn't have any parents in the picture. He just had Cogsworth and Lumiere who were raising him. And he wasn't a king because his older brothers became kings and everybody thought he was dead. And <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> in the records, as far as I can tell, since he was stillborn, he never had a name. But his name very well could have been Adam. <laughs> oh, really? And the reason it had to be him is because that would have put him at the right age. And I think it was 1782 or 1783, where he would have been right around 21 years old. Huh. So it's a wow. pretty big thing that they happen to have a stillborn son that could not have actually been stillborn and snuck away to live in a secret castle that was the exact right age that we need him to be based <laughs> on the time dating of the 1781 corks in the wine bottles. Wow. You got all that from wine corks. That's nuts. So, there you go, people. That's pretty cool. We know who the beast is. According to us. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I I wonder if Disney thought this hard about who the beast was when they made it. But we don't care because we care. That doesn't make (laughs) any sense. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean. I know what you mean. That's really interesting. Well, I mean, so when I went on a trip to England uh, many moons ago, we went to the Tower of London and like heard these stories about these two little brothers, um, these two princes who were basically disappeared and they never found out. Like, 
I mean, it it could happen. All the crazy stories and intrigue and things that go on in those past royal families and stuff. Power struggles. Yep, yep. It's scary. That that was one of the interesting things that I read was that Beast's mom, Maria Josefa de Saxony, um, she, like, everything I read, I didn't read a ton, but, you know, I read a few different different places, said that she was just, like, super awesome. She loved Louis. She impressed the court even at, like, 15 when she came hmm. for their marriage. She helped repair the relationship between the Beast's dad and Louis XV, the Beast's dad's father. Oh, wow. And had a lot of kids. They were super awesome. She really, she was an awesome person. So I like that, that in this little theory of mine, he had two basically really good parents even though they weren't there for him it wasn't within their control right, necessarily right. and they tried to set him up as best they could i mean it is kind of weird though that if they had a happy family life why would they choose to send away a son but i mean i guess your theory is plausible well and they didn't the one thing i did read that was kind of negative about the family like it said that they his parents loved each other but i forget what his first name was but Louis Sixteen, you know, the guy who eventually became Louis Sixteen, there was so much pressure and attention paid to him because they knew he was going to become, you know, the one that was going to become king. Oh, uh huh. That they kind of neglected all the rest of the children. Oh, so well, the, rest of, the rest of the children yeah. didn't have a lot of love and attention paid towards them, I guess, um, <sighs> just because Man, they weren't going to be rulers. So many different things are coming to my mind, like the man in the iron mask, and like yes, um, Jacob, have I loved and sad things like that. So, um, if we're ready to move on from that, I have another alcohol insight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to the alcohol. I think that was a little bit of a detour, but it's all I mean, good. It's a detour from this minute, but I mean, I couldn't hold it in. I was like, maybe I should wait till the beast to talk about this, but no, this <laughs> I, I couldn't wait. Couldn't hold it in. That's all right. Okay, so the next observation I had about the alcohol <laughs> is this little article, I guess, that I found that talks about how, and this was in England, so I don't know if it's the same in France, but that a tavern was established to serve wine and an inn was to serve beer and ale. So they became synonymous over time, and then inns became public houses, which became pubs, which was just anywhere you drink eventually. But in the beginning, an inn served wine. Or no, a tavern served wine and an inn served beer and ale. So because there's beer and ale in this scene, and he doesn't have wine, we do see wine being poured during this scene. But because it's mostly beer and ale, that would mean that this is not a tavern, it is an inn. So isn't it called a tavern? Is it ever called a tavern? Um, hmm. I don't think it's ever referred to as a tavern, at least not as far as I didn't recall. okay what does he call it when he invites bell to go on a walk down to see his trophies Ooh, that's a good question i, didn't I thought that i thought he called it a tavern that's possible very possible okay well just wondering i don't know if it if it does if it isn't in i was just gonna say it's an in you know it's got a, hey. a little more money in it than than just a tavern cool and it said even if it is a tavern um i also read that it says the tavern was one of the traditional centers of social and political life before 1789. This is in France. It was a meeting place for both local population and travelers passing through and a refuge for rogues and scoundrels. Well, that fits. Yeah. So we definitely see that if that's 
where not the beast we definitely see that if that's where gaston is hanging out <laughs> and if you know he might be the the person that owns this establishment that gives him plenty of opportunity to meet lots of shady people and kind of be a very per- popular person in town um also by the way he has like a throne i feel like this has to be his tavern <laughs> he is on the wall his trophies are hanging all over he says specifically um in the next minute that he uses antlers in all of his decorating and he has a throne practically by the fireplace okay. yeah i i definitely i mean i think that is the most likely option is that this is his place but there is something in this minute that makes me think that maybe it's not and i went down the rabbit hole with tobacco in this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> this is not going to be a short minute, anyone. No, I'm sorry. It's, I mean, I, yeah. So we get to one of my favorite lines, which is that I'm especially good at expectorating. Mm. Another word that I had no idea what it meant until eventually as a teenager, I looked it up and I was like, that's awesome. It basically <laughs> means to spit. So he's really good at spitting and he spits the belt uh, chunk. I won a spitting contest once. I mean, what? <laughs> Sidebar. <laughs> Sorry. Squirrel. Sorry. Um, anyway, continue. It was just with my family, but... What were you spitting? Watermelon seeds? No, just spit. <laughs> now, we was this like seeing... your whole family or your siblings? Well, it, it was at Daddy Society, so it was my siblings with our dad, and we were seeing who could spit the farthest. That's I awesome. won. Anyway... How far did you spit? I can't remember. It was, it was a long time ago. I was probably like 14 or something. So it's okay. been too long. I can't remember. <laughs> so back to <laughs> back to uh, the movie. So he, he spits. It bounces around the room. And then LeFou catches it in a spittoon. Oh, yeah. Didn't he like sp- he like chewed and spit up part of that? The belt. Uh, the belt that he already broke. Yeah. So he snapped Rude. the belt with his neck, took a bite out of it, chewed it up, spit it. It bounced around the room. Makes no sense um, if you're looking at the laws of physics. But <laughs> who needs the, those? Yeah, the the important thing is that LeFou catches it in a spittoon, which is impressive. Which is very impressive, especially because it was going pretty fast. And he couldn't even catch that duck that was falling from the sky at the beginning of the movie. He couldn't catch the goose, but he can catch the tiny bit of speeding leather. Was it a duck or was it a goose? Uh, it was a a Toulousean goose or something like that. Oh, okay. Continue. Yeah. So, of course, I had to go and look up, like, the history of spittoons and, like, tobacco and stuff. And that's totally legit. There was tobacco. There was spittoons at the time. But the thing that was interesting to me is, like, okay, LeFou seems like a dumb guy. And he's always provoking Gaston. But maybe he's doing it, like we talked about um, with, with Rick and Julia, to kind of protect the rest of the town from Gaston's anger. And so I was like, well, maybe he's trying to, like, make sure that Gaston doesn't make too big of a mess in this place. You know, he's trying to catch... The thing that he's spitting out in the spittoon. And so I was like, well, why would he be trying to do that? Maybe it is LeFou's inn. Like, maybe that is his family's or inn or tavern or whatever it is. And then because he's so chummy with Gaston, Gaston just kind of like took over the decorating and kind of claims it as his own. But that's possibly why LeFou is friends and allowed to tag along with Gaston because his family owns the tavern. That's why he's the one that's getting the beer whenever Gaston throws it around and Gaston doesn't care. And LeFou's like, hey, should I get some more? Because my family owns the place. 
and I can't. Then I was thinking, we talked about uh, with Rick and Julia as well, that Gaston and LeFou might not actually be their names, but their last names. Right. LeFou, meaning the fool. And who would be called the fool as a last name, except for a court jester? <gasps> so my theory is that LeFou's father slash grandfather at some point down the line was the court jester at the castle and eventually saved up enough money. That the beast is at? Yes, at the beast's okay. castle. So he eventually saved up enough money or whatever to buy his own tavern in the nearest town. That's impressive. A jester so, makes that much money? I don't know That's what they... I impressive. mean, they might not make anything. I think actually in history, they probably were just kind they of like nothing. indentured servants. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say... It works for us. It yeah, works they, for they bought the tavern and he is LeFou because his grandfather or whatever was the court jester. And that's why people don't really take him seriously. And he kind of has to play the clown because that has just been part of the family history since then. Mm -hmm. And so he's trying to make himself a more legit and he's got a bit of money because they own the tavern. So Gaston likes him because he has money, likes him because he has a tavern. He's not a common person. He's dressed a little nicer. So he has a little bit of prestige to put himself apart from just like the common man. But he also kind of has to play himself as a jokester and a clown. And that works with Gaston. You know, Gaston right. likes that. And so that that kind of works. So another interesting thing to think about. I like. Very interesting. <sighs> <laughs> and then the spittoon ends up on his head, which is disgusting. Yeah, that's nasty. I made a note of that. I was like, ew, that is grody. Yes. I mean, that's probably not a very adult thing to say. That's gross. <laughs> I, okay. Did you notice the sound, the laugh that the girls make whenever he lifts them up? Uh uh. There's kind of, they make this like, it's a giggle and a like kind of surprised gasp. Mm -hmm. I was just really impressed because it sounded very realistic. Like if someone had really picked up these girls, yeah, it sounds like a real reaction that they could possibly have because they're not like scared. And they're not um, upset or whatever. So it's like a happy sound, but at the same time, they're still surprised and startled. So I thought that was pretty cool. I actually really like the voice actors for those girls, strangely enough. Hmm. But And also, I always wondered, how did that bench not land on LeFou's hands? Because I can just see that happening and that would hurt so bad well the funny thing about this part and this was probably just me but uh and he says as you see i have biceps to spare and again <laughs> as a kid i had no idea what was going on and so for the longest time i just always like had the impression slash like okay biceps must be referring to like the girls that like him so he's like hey i've got all these biceps these these women that like me to spare <laughs> Like, I've got these, like, as you see, I've got bimbos to spare, but like oh biceps. Oh my gosh, that is so funny. So, yeah. Oh, I never, the like, things we used think it or when anything. we don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was always like, oh, I don't know what that means. It must be talking about those girls. You've got girls to spare. I love that you didn't know what biceps were. Hey, I was a little kid when I saw this movie first. I'm not saying, I'm just saying it's cute. Aw, cute Bobby. Uh, a long time ago. Hey, I mean, I've admitted lots of things in this podcast that... Well, yeah, cool stuff like winning <laughs> spitting competitions. Oh, well, I mean, there's plenty of not-so-cool stuff, but we won't get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. I started watching this 
and I want to talk about it more tomorrow, but I am convinced he's a bodybuilder who doesn't know what he's doing. But somehow it still works. What do you mean he doesn't know what he's doing? Well, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Oh, okay. Okay. It's about the eggs and stuff, and I just... Uh, hmm. It's tomorrow's minute. Yeah. So before we get to that egg stuff, obviously, um, which is mostly going to be tomorrow, I did want to talk about the the chest hair thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's always been a little weird to me. Like... Isn't it a manly know. thing to have chest hair or something? Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> I am... I don't even know what to call it anymore. Everything's so, like, politically blah, blah, blah. So I don't know if I'm, like, Chicano or Hispanic or Latin. And there's, like, you're not Hispanic unless you're from Spain. And you're not Mexican because you weren't born in Mexico. And uh, like, it, it's very confusing. But, uh, like, Well, can't three or four you decide what ago, you want to be? I don't know. Then, because like, you are you. They keep changing this stuff, like, on the forms. So, like, we're trying to fill out this information for, for our new baby that's going to be born in, like, a week oh. or two. So, by the time you hear this episode, we have a new baby. Yay! <laughs> we're trying to fill, fill out this information for his birth certificate. And it's like, okay, check ethnicity. And it's like, okay, um, I guess that would be, like, I think we checked, like, Chicano, which basically means, like, you are from Mexico, but born in the United States type of thing, I think. I'm oh, not really weird. sure. But I, I, think I that's had what no idea what Chicano even meant. Here, yeah, I look it up. that's the impression I got. So, we're like, okay, let's maybe check that one. But then, like, under race... There was like no Hispanic. I think it was like white, black, and then like Asian and like Pacific Islander and all these like super specific, like, okay, I, I know I'm not from Hawaii or like Polynesia or anything, <laughs> but it didn't have Where like- Where is your family from? Are they from Mexico? So on my mother's side, we were a mix of like Mexican Indian, like the Ooh. like X's and Y's and like you can't pronounce their names type of thing and Italians. So oh. I've got a- like a lot of Marionis on that side, which are the mix, the mix of Italians and Mexican Indian. And then on my dad's side, we don't really know because they didn't keep any <laughs> records, but they're like the actual, like from Mexico, Mexicans that look like Mexicans. Huh. So my mom's side is very much the light skin type of Mexicans because they, they did live in Mexico and came over to the United States um, when my mom was a very young child. Huh. And then my dad's family has been in Texas for like three generations. But they were like, we came from Mexico. What part of Mexico, Dad? I don't know. We didn't bring records. <laughs> Keep a so, family history, everyone. Yeah, I forgot why we're talking about this. <laughs> um, Because every last inch of you is covered with hair? Yes, because of that. <laughs> because, so, I'm whatever, like, part Native American, Mexican, whatever. We don't have a lot of, like, chest hair. Like, hairy, okay. I, can't, I can't grow a beard. I can't grow a mustache. You know, the chest hair thing was always like, okay, that's really weird to me. So, anyway, that whole story was to tell you that. <laughs> Never understood, like, the big hairy chest thing. But apparently, when they were trying to figure out how to make that line of the song into animation they had like this huge long debate about like what kind of chest hair how much chest hair the color like which way it should go if it's curly or straight or combed yeah and they did like a ton of drawings of like his chest hair and then eventually obviously came to a resolution of what his chest hair was going to look like and oh, you God. get a pretty good view of it and we'll probably do a still shot and uh, uh, stick that on facebook somewhere well i was wondering okay did the songwriters come up with this line before this character was really developed and so then they were like yeah that's a great line it fits so we'll just work it into his character or was it like okay we want him to have this line about having lots of hair because with the beast in mind, because the beast is like 
literally every last inch of him is covered with hair. So it's like almost the irony or the meaninglessness of Gaston bragging about all this hair on his chest when there's someone else who has more. Oh, I didn't think about that, but I'm pretty sure that's not what they did. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, I forget who it was exactly that composed this song. I remember watching something about it, but they essentially said he just like went off and wrote these amazing lines that were super funny and, you know, just like, hey, this is Gaston being funny. (laughs) And I believe they had to cut a verse out for this version that they put back in for the stage version. And I don't know if they put it back in for the new movie or not. Um, But there's another verse that they couldn't fit in as far as uh, like time-wise getting the cuts Do you remember what any of it was? I didn't look it up to see what it actually said. Mm. sorry but yeah so he he wrote just like a bunch of stuff and they're like and it was super easy to animate that because it said exactly like what we needed to put in essentially so he just had fun writing it and uh, i believe they wanted him to keep on writing so they had like more verses to choose from or like for another version of it or something and he was like i don't have anything else that will rhyme like i've used all the (laughs) words that i can so he's like that's all you get that's funny yes um, one thing that I loved in this part is where he's sitting at that chessboard and the lyrics, I couldn't figure out what the f- lyric right before was saying, so I had to look it up. But it says, no one hits like Gaston. I don't know why I couldn't understand that. <laughs> Matches wits like Gaston. And I think it's so funny because here they are saying no one can match his wits, but he just gets upset and angry that he can't win this um, chess game. Yes, chess game. (laughs) That he can't win this chess game. And so he just throws the board and is like, forget it. I don't care. You're winning and I'm mad. So I'm going to throw the board. And... And he's losing pretty badly. He's lo- he's totally losing. He literally has his king and like one other, maybe two other pieces Yeah, I think he has left. two other pieces on there. And the other guy he's, has like everything. Everything still. And I just love the irony of these things where it's the characters are doing the exact opposite of what it says they are or doing. Well, it could actually be accurate. He says no one matches wits like Gaston. And they don't, it doesn't say that he beats people in like a game of wits. But like when it comes to to matching wits, like putting his wits up against somebody else, nobody else does it like him because he just beats people up when he can't win. (laughs) That's not wit though. Well, it's it's the matching of the wits, not the the wits themselves matching up. Mm, No, not buying it. Okay, okay. I can buy many of your other theories, but <laughs> that is not one of them. No, Gaston is not witty. He's. No, I'm not saying he's witty. I'm saying he can't be witty, so he just beats people up. And so they're oh. saying whenever there's matches of wits, other people try to outwit each other, and he just beats them up. Nobody else does huh. that like Gaston. Okay, well, I guess. <laughs> you don't have to accept it. <laughs> anyway... I think that's pretty much all I've got. I thought it was funny that they're like, he does that spitting thing. And then he's like, uh, everyone says 10 points for Gaston. But there's this one bum. I think it's Dick who, with the snaggle tooth, who uh, gives him a 9.8. Yeah. I always thought that was funny. I was like, uh, hmm, fired. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't give me a perfect score. You can't stay. That's a little realism. You can't have, you can't win them all. Can't win them all. 
Snaggletooth. So my last note on this minute is that Gaston has some juggling skills. He starts talking about his he eggs does. and throwing them around. And first off, it's hard to juggle. Secondly, he's juggling eggs. So you got to be really careful you don't break them. And he's juggling a bowl with the eggs while like having his eyes closed and singing. So maybe his family comes from the circus and he joined the military and who knows. Maybe he learned. Well, I was going to say maybe he learned it from LeFou, but LeFou can't do it. Maybe he learned it from LeFou's <laughs> dad. Ah. Ah. So he's actually trying to move in and steal the tavern. He's getting chummy with LeFou's dad and he put all his stuff in there. And he's eventually going to get rid of LeFou and take over the tavern as the adopted son Ooh. of, of uh, LeFou's dad. That sounds like something the Gaston in the new live action film would do. Uh, I probably need to see that movie. Probably. It's okay. You've got time. <laughs> <laughs> it's still going to be around. Well, that's all I have. Awesome. Me too. Thanks for listening, guys. I don't have any idea how long this episode was. Yeah, we're, we're, we're well, we're I don't want to say, it, it's a end. long episode. Uh, Sorry, guys. <laughs> we went on some, down some rabbit holes. Down some rabbit holes, but I think we learned a lot. Hopefully, I didn't just make up a bunch of stuff nobody cares about, but <laughs> I feel like unveiling the, uh, the identity of the beast is okay to have a longer episode during. Mm-hmm. So, if you have any comments on anything we've said, um, especially on these theories, let's see if you can poke any holes in them. Find us on Facebook. We are at Beastly Minute. You can find our Facebook page. We're also at Beastly Minute on Twitter. And we would especially love you to go to our our listeners group. If you are not a member of that already, it is uh, Beauty and the Beastly Minute listeners library because we love libraries and talking about stuff in them, which uh, it's got to be a loud library. (laughs) But we type it all, so it's very quiet, actually. (laughs) So check us out there. Check us out on Growler Media. And if you need to get a hold of me, the best way to do that is through those mediums, which I just told you. Janae, how can people get a hold of you? You can get a hold of me on Facebook as well. You can shoot us a message through our Facebook page, or you can also get a hold of me at JH Voiceover on Facebook. I have a page. You can send me a message, and I would love to talk to you. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Make sure to come back tomorrow and join us for episode 28 of Beauty and the Beastly Minute, because if you love listening to podcasts, the rest are all drips. Our theme music is by Duo Hansen. different. I'm a growler. We don't care because we care. I'm keeping your bones.